Hello and welcome aboard another episode of the Galat Says Podcast, available exclusively live on Twitch, but also available wherever you get your podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. It is Monday, May 2nd of 2022. I hope that you guys are having a good evening. I'm getting ready for the two baseball teams that I root for, the Astros, higher up on the totem pole, the Mariners a little bit below, but playing pretty well to open the year while the Astros can't score any fucking runs. That game's going to start in a little bit. It is now about 625 or so, so we'll be leading right up to to that game. What's going on, folks? C-Max 17, Todd the Show, and Fuentes Respector. Good to have you all aboard. All right. Uh, I'm glad the draft is done. I love the NFL draft. I think Friday, excuse me, Thursday, the round one of the NFL draft is actually pretty good television. But this year, I thought to myself, I'm going to make sure that I watch all of day two of the draft. And hell, I'll probably even watch day three. And then I watch day two. And good God. It's fucking dreadful. It takes forever. And you get to a point where I know people have all sorts of opinions on who's available and who's going to be good and who's not. I guess I just don't fucking believe anybody. And I hate the way that the draft is covered because we have to immediately have a hot take on everything that takes place, right? This is the sports media industrial complex that we live in these days. You have to have an opinion on whatever you're talking about. I guess I just don't, and maybe that makes me a a shitty sports talk show host, but how do we get to a point where after round one, two, three of the NFL draft, and then, of course, the third day of the draft where people are actually speaking to you with a straight face, acting like some random wide receiver drafted from Tulsa in the sixth round while he's the steal of the draft. How do we get to this? Why do we feel so confidently because we're going to be wrong on a, like 50 plus percent of the opinions that we've had about players playing in college football and how they'll do at the NFL level. We don't know shit. And it's one of those things that I, I, I don't get why everyone's so damn confident about it. Because really, people, people will beat their chests as if, yeah, I had a third round grade on this guy that the New York Jets drafted, but they were able to get him in the seventh round. And this is the kind of pick that could turn around a franchise's destiny forever. How do we get there? Todd the Show says they need more creative ways we can gamble on the later rounds. I suppose that's true. Hey, if somebody goes up to the podium, like that guy for the Minnesota Vikings, are they going to take three minutes? Four minutes. Will somebody have to come up to the podium and perhaps escort them off? I know that they definitely had to do that with that leather-faced dude from uh, Las Vegas who's like 80 years old. Names eluding me at this point in time. But that guy's like a famous Vegas person. He came up on stage, Marcus Allen's next to him. The guy's drunk out of his off his fucking ass. Instant Karma 206S. Is that Batman voice? No, that's that's hot take guy voice. I guess it's sort of a variant of um uh what's that guy's name? How am I not remembering this? Oh, Jim Rome. Yeah, sounds a little like Jim Rome. But there's this character I used to do called Hot Take Harry, where I would just come up with completely preposterous takes and post them online, and I would see how many people actually believed it. But people were getting too mad about it, so I stopped doing it for a little bit. Uh, Todd, the show says it's Wayne Newton. Anyway, to get back on track. So someone put together on Twitter a essentially GPA of all of the picks that took place in the NFL draft. And based off of evaluations by 18 
football writers, Chad Reuter, Doug Farrar, Mark Schofield, PFF, Luke Easterling, Vinny Iyer, Tim Bielek, Mel Kuyper Jr., Nate Davis, Connor Orr, John McClain, Mark Maskey, Stephen Chia, James Dador, Ryan Dunlavy, Thor Nystrom. So they put together essentially what is like this big spreadsheet combining 18 different evaluations for every single team. So after a draft, you typically see A or a B or maybe a C or a D or an F for, say, teams like the New York Jets or the New England Patriots. But what I've always found to be amusing is that despite all these people having such confident opinions about a draft that features 300-plus players in college, of which no one in their right mind would be able to watch every single down of their play over the course of their entire college career. No way. Maybe you get to see one game for some of these fuckers, and you'd barely notice them off to the side, but you were focusing on somebody else. How does everybody get an A? How does everyone get a B? So I looked at the actual compilation, and if you take a look at the chart, the chart has, for A grades, they're blue. And for green uh, green grades, they're B. So imagine that I would say a good 75% of this spreadsheet are A's and B's. Every team gets a fucking A or a B? Jesus. I mean, what is this? Like North Carolina basketball in the 1990s, the early 2000s? Where they had those, where they had those fake fucking uh, classes that they were taking? Unbelievable that everyone gets an A or a B. Just 13 Ds and Fs with all these confident fuckers who think that they know everything about all these players who have just been drafted. 13 Ds and Fs. But everyone else is either satisfactory or above. Because you get to the Cs, we'll get to 90%. 90% of the grades, C or above. C is satisfactory. What kind of fucking graders are you people? So this bothers me every year when I see the draft class. Like, no one has any balls. Put your balls on the fucking table and actually give out a D. Give out an F. If you really think that a pick was a bad pick, say it. Speak with your chest. We live in hot take culture, and yet A's, B's, and C's. What what kind of shitty school are we at? So I give everyone an F. You guys are pussies when it comes to grading these guys. Oh, here's why you're probably not giving out Fs. Because you don't want to look wrong in the future. Okay, well, you're going to be wrong on most of these picks to begin with. So, again, have a little balls here. And that's why I, I, I just hate this time. No one knows a thing. I guess a couple of years later, you'll have a good idea about whether or not a draft class will be good. Maybe you'll have it in year one. Maybe it'll be year two. For the most part, though, it's year three where you generally have a pretty good understanding of a team and who they drafted in a specific year. But we got to give the grades out now. And then we never go back to the grades that were given out. Unless it was just like catastrophically bad. Like when the Seahawks in 2012, where they were given an F and they got Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson back-to-back picks, but they still were given an F. And then the Seahawks Twitter, they blew it up and they're like, oh, look at all these people who don't know shit. Even though a lot of those people on Seahawks Twitter were probably criticizing a lot of the picks that were made in that year's draft class. But this is how we work. I just think it's soft. Uh, instant karma 206. Nobody ever gets compared to a bench warmer. I know. And look, there's lots of good bench warmers in the NFL. It's hard to get on the field in this league. Some of these guys have actually good careers and they were good players in college. And yet we can't compare them to, I don't know, like, Hey, this guy is a situational defensive back, but no, it's always like this guy could be X, Y, Z, but he probably won't be. So why not a more realistic comparison? 
That's Instant Karma 206. Taught the show. I want to see the grades of drafts three years later. I want people's feelings to be hurt. And that's what I guess people are afraid of doing. But it's funny, like, specific players say that that poor fucker on the New England Patriots who got drafted, what's his last name, Strange or something? Cole Strange? Like, he's a guard. Maybe it was a reach for the Patriots to get him. I'm not thrilled with the pick, but I, I know the Patriots, having rooted for them my entire life. They like to trade back and then draft some random guy that no one's ever heard of with their first-round picks. Like, this is just how they've always operated. It's worked out in the past for them before with Logan Mankins, but everyone crushes the pick, and everyone's sucking off the Jets. Like, the Jets aren't going to fuck it all up this time? Like, that's the other part that gets me. Everyone gets Gave the Jets an A plus. What? Because they had five picks. You have no. You have no clue whether or not this is actually going to work out. But everyone is so damn. First off, confident in the evaluations of the picks that they're making, and second, despite being confident, so so eager and willing to give out an A, like just a, like it's fucking Devry. Anyway. Just had to get that off my chest. I hate draft coverage. I'm glad it's done. I hate the weeks that lead up to it. I know on a sports talk show where you're doing it for two hours, you're expected to talk about the draft. The draft just doesn't interest me that much. Like, hey, we'll see what happens with these players. It's cool to talk about for a couple of days. There are certain positions that you hope they get. You try to justify what positions were selected by a team or say, hey, maybe they should have gone in a different direction. But there are such definitive opinions about some of these guys, and you have no clue. I remember a couple of years ago, Aaron Curry was thought to be like the best the most safe pick ever. And the Seahawks got him and the guy sucked. It happens, but everyone's so damn sure of themselves and, and they end up being wrong. It's like a less than 50% industry. And yet there are people that like have these condescendingly hot takes on it. I, I just, I don't know. I just don't know where you get the fucking energy. You're going to be wrong. Uh, let's shift over to the Seattle Seahawks for a second. So I thought that Pete Carroll was hilarious in the draft. Just absolutely hilarious. So, okay. They get, um, cross in the first round out of uh, Mississippi State, right? And you think to yourself, okay, finally you get an offensive lineman the year after you traded away Russell Wilson. It's kind of funny, right? Kind of funny. But Pete Carroll really outdid himself in the second round. So the Seahawks have picked 40 and 41. And I know a lot of people were looking at him thinking to themselves, oh my God. Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis are still on the board? Seahawks are going to get a quarterback. The quarterback of the future. Which is funny because everyone has talked about how the quarterbacks of this year's draft class aren't that good, except for everyone who had a giant boner over Malik Willis throwing a football 80 yards downfield in shorts with no one rushing him. Guy played at Liberty. Oh, I don't know. Look at the upside there. Now notice this crickets from all those folks now. <laughs> he doesn't even go on day one or day two. Didn't go on day three. Took him a while. When was Malik Willis drafted, honestly? I know the Titans took him. Was it day three? Or was it late? Uh, the first thing that comes up to it. Look at all these fucking confident people. Malik Willis draws comparison to Steve McNair. 86th overall, round three to the Titans. But the Seahawks, 40, 41. You think that they're going to get him. They draft Boye Mafa, an edge rusher from Minnesota, who has not been very productive in college. Classic Seahawks pick, right? But even better. Oh, my God. This one this one made me laugh very hard. The Seahawks not only did not select a quarterback with their second second-round pick, they drafted a running back. Hell to the fucking yes, Pete Carroll, John Schneider. That was hilarious. Come on. I know, if you got, I know some of you guys out there were like, oh, you got to take one of these quarterbacks. You got to take a flyer. Please admit that that was funny as shit, right? That was hilarious. 
He's fucking with you. And the thing is, he is aware of the criticism that the Seahawks get for running the football. He is aware of it. He does not roll into it. He did not do this intentionally to mess with you. But he is aware of it. And remember, I think it was last year where people were asking, are you going to let Russ cook? Like Some reporter actually asked that. And Pete Carroll said, no, no we're just going to hammer the rock. It made me laugh so hard. I like Pete. He makes me laugh. He's so bubbly and optimistic and has crazy theories on a lot of different things. He's a nice guy. Always was nice to me, even when he was probably annoyed by some of the questions that I asked him. But this is hilarious. He drafted a running back. And I honestly, you know, look, I get along with a lot of the Seahawks fans online, but some of them are just so fucking insufferable and with the know-it-allness. Like that's one of the things that really annoyed me about Seahawks fans when I got up there. I don't feel like there's really that many know-it-all Texans fans. There are, are, of course, some, but I feel like mostly just a jaded, cynical fan base that's very similar to Mariners fans. But there are so many Seahawks fans that are so fucking confident in every single opinion they have, like the Evan Hills of the world, and they're just full of it. Nothing against them. They're nice people. But, like, calm down a little bit with this. And they all get so pissed off when the Seahawks draft the running back. It's great. I love it. I like to watch them get mad. What does that say about me? I don't know. Makes me probably seem like a bit of an asshole. And maybe that's why things didn't work out in Seattle. Not me going to Chick-fil-A. Me thinking that this is funny. But it's hilarious that they drafted a running back in the second round. It really is. And if you can't see that, I, like, I don't know what to tell you. Come on. Just, just laugh at some of the things that they do. They weren't going to be turning things around in this year's draft. None of these quarterbacks, we all knew it going into it. None of these quarterbacks were ever going to do a damn thing. <laughs> it's funny that I say that so confidently too. I'm kind of a hypocrite for uh, just a little bit earlier saying that so pe so many people are so damn convicted when it comes to all sorts of players who were drafted in this year's draft class. But hey, we were told by everybody that either it's not that good of a draft class this year for quarterbacks or that Malik Willis has untapped potential that no one understands. And a lot of people online were saying that, yeah, this was the guy. But some of these same people are like, Justin Fields, he is the guy. Can you believe that no one drafted him early on? And then you saw him with the Bears and he didn't look ready. He might be good eventually, but I don't know. Might be a safer assumption to just look at Justin Fields and look at every single Ohio State quarterback ever and say to yourself, you know what? It might not work out. Wild guess. It might not work out. Anyway, uh, the Houston Texans had a draft. I don't have any hot takes on this draft either. Uh, Derek Stingley Jr., Kenyon Green, uh, Jalen Petre. Got a Big 12 defender. Yeah. Safety from Baylor. John Mechie third. Christian Harris, a linebacker from Alabama. Damian Pierce from uh, Florida. Thomas Booker, defensive tackle from Stanford. Tegan Quarantino, just kidding. Tegan Quitoriano. Uh, from Oregon State and Austin Decalus from, from LSU. I like that they got a lot of SEC people. Does that make me um, a stereotyper when it comes to college football? Yeah, it does. Guess what? I want guys from the SEC. I don't want them from the ACC. I don't want them from the Pac-12. I don't want them from the Big 12 either. I don't. Even the Big 10, unless it's like one of those big-ass offensive linemen from Wisconsin who seem to grow on trees or some random corn-fed uh, Michigan defender like Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. It's, the, it's all SEC for me. So I don't know what these guys are going to ultimately do. Um, but it is interesting to watch this take place because, you know, y y a couple of years ago when the Houston Texans traded away DeAndre Hopkins and they only got a second round pick in exchange and you've seen the Tyreek Hill trade and you've seen the Devontae Adams trade, you probably thought to yourself, good God, what were the Texans thinking? Why couldn't they get back the draft capital necessary? But you guys just don't get it. You didn't see Bill O'Brien and his inner genius. Like I know DeAndre Hopkins like had 1,400 yards receiving his first year with the Arizona Cardinals in 2020, but... Did you see last year? Bill O'Brien knew 
that DeAndre Hopkins' MCL was a ticking time bomb. And he also knew that DeAndre Hopkins would be suspended for six games for PED usage. He knew. You didn't. He plays chess. You play checkers. You got to figure it out. Like, this guy, ahead of the curve. He knew it was happening. He knew that DeAndre Hopkins was going to get popped. And if you couldn't see that coming, like, I don't know what to tell you. On a serious note. DeAndre Hopkins had knee surgery for a torn ACL, MCL, not ACL, ACL, more serious, MCL. Apparently, he can come back from, from an MCL surgery after six weeks. But he had surgery for a torn MCL. So he took some sort of PEDs. What they were, I don't know. Maybe it makes the trade for Hollywood Brown, a first-round pick for Hollywood Brown and the uh, attention that the Cardinals spent during the draft. They got a big tight end, too, on receivers for Kyler Murray. Maybe maybe that explains why they were as aggressive as they were in trying to get him weapons. But it's six games. It's not that big of a deal. I look more so at just the eh, collective meh reaction to DeAndre Hopkins testing positive for PEDs. Remember when we got so pissed off about that in football? Why were we ever mad about PEDs in football? Why? Really? I mean, it's the most violent American sport that there is that's watched by a lot of people. I guess you could say, oh, Paul, UFC, you don't get it. Don't be one of those UFC hardos. Okay, you get what I'm talking about here. No one cares about this anymore, right? And they shouldn't. Why should you care about what a guy is willing to put in his body so he can go back out there and get absolutely destroyed, smashed around for 17 games a season? You shouldn't care about that stuff. And a six-game suspension to me seems like it's over the top. For PEDs. If you suffered a serious injury, shouldn't you be allowed to do whatever you possibly can to get back out there? And wouldn't NFL teams want that? Say you're the Arizona Cardinals. Don't you feel good knowing that DeAndre Hopkins is doing everything in his power to help with his recovery in such a violent sport? These guys are running around. They're Somehow, six foot five, two hundred and seventy pound behemoths that can run four four forties, and we never question whether or not they got to that point naturally. And they get injured; they should be allowed to use it some more. I think as long as you know ultimately, long term, the possible side effects of taking things like HGH, like having a head that swells up like a watermelon, like Barry Bonds, then you should be allowed to essentially do this. So I. I, I don't like this six-game suspension for Hopkins. I don't know what he did. It's, it's, again, PED suspension. So you think to yourself, okay, it's probably something like HGH, something like that. But I, I, I don't get the suspension anymore. And I feel like the NFL is going to have to look at itself in the mirror for this. Do they really believe that there are some players who do it clean with some of the shit that they're, like, pumping, they've been pumping into players for the longest time? Like, we're going all the way back to what, the the... The 70s, the the 80s. Like, these guys are all, like, taking essentially the shots that would be given to, to fucking horses going into games. And there's giant jars filled with pills. North Dallas 40, the the, the Any Given Sunday movie. There's, there's some reality in both of those movies. And people, I, I, I think, looked at those and they're like, damn, look what these guys are doing. But, I mean, we're 20 years later. I don't think that we should suspend guys for this stuff anymore. You're willing to do it. You're willing to do it. If you're not willing to do it, then you're not willing to do it. But 
I, I feel like that's in the best interest of NFL teams to actually want this to continue to happen. Guys to do PEDs to get back from an injury. I feel like if I tore my ACL and playing in the NFL, I would think long and hard about it. Uh, so DeAndre Hopkins makes you think long and hard about the 2019 Houston Texans and just how bad things were from a general managing perspective that year. Because you trade away DeAndre Hopkins after the 2019 NFL draft, after the 2019 to 2020 NFL season. In one calendar year, you have the 2019 draft class and you also have the DeAndre Hopkins trade. And good God, the 2019 Texans draft class looks pretty bad after this announcement made by the Texans today. The Texans traded Lonnie Johnson to the Chiefs. Forget this. A 2024 conditional seventh round pick. A couple of things to dissect here. First off, apparently Lonnie Johnson asked for a trade. He wanted to be moved elsewhere. Would you want to be traded elsewhere if you are traded for a conditional seventh round pick? Not in next year's draft, but the year afterwards. That is legitimately the least amount of capital that you can give up to acquire the rights to a player. Rock bottom. Wouldn't you want to just be released? I think it would look better. But this guy asked for a trade, and it's Lonnie fucking Johnson. No offense to Lonnie Johnson. He made it to the NFL. He deserves credit for that. But this guy gets to ask for a trade, and I saw Mike Meltzer tweeting about this, and and he made a good point. I fucked with him in in response. I was like, oh, classic lawyer Mike. uh, He's caping for the man. He's caping for big business as opposed to player empowerment. He wants all the players to shut up and dribble. But he's right. You should have to be at a certain skill level to demand a fucking trade or to even ask for a trade. Otherwise, just ask to be cut. Say, listen, I don't want to play here anymore. Just ask to be cut. Asking for a trade and the request is granted? Now, I don't think the Texans have any problem turning the page on Lonnie Johnson because he has not done a damn thing since joining the NFL. But Lonnie Johnson, despite that, the guy's ambitious. And uh, we're going to have to take a look at something. So Lonnie Johnson, you know, he's an NFL cornerback. And, um, well, he's, he's got a YouTube series. And um, I can't believe that he has one. I I guess it it premiered the the series on April fourth. There have been four episodes thus far, and I don't think I've even thought to watch a bit of it. But fuck it, let's let's dive into this just completely blind. All right. Twitch.tv slash Galan says, let's watch the Life of Lotto trailer. That mentality just haven't changed. Like, it's like, shit, you want something, you got to grind for it. You want that big check, you got to grind for it. Okay, let's watch that again. You know, this is something I've seen a lot of on Instagram these days, where you have people that are driving their car, and they have their phone in their other hand, And they're talking to the camera like they've got some deep insight into life. And 
no offense to Lonnie Johnson Jr., but Lonnie, let's look this up to be sure. Lonnie Johnson Jr. is, wait a second, <laughs> that, that's wrong. The first thing that comes up when you enter Lonnie Johnson is Lonnie Johnson, an American inventor, aerospace engineer. He is 72 years old. You know what? If Lonnie Johnson Jr. was 72 years old and playing in the NFL, that, that, that actually, that would be a compelling show. I would watch that. Lonnie Johnson Jr. is 26, okay? Look, guys from Gary, Indiana, which is a pretty rough place for those who know, to be able to succeed and make it to the NFL, having left that area, I'll give him credit, but I'm sorry. Like, what? What What the fuck is this? You want something, you got to grind for it. You want that big check, you got to grind for it. You want something, you got to grind for it. You want that big check, you got to grind for it. I, I call bullshit on that. Like, I... I feel like you, you you just get lucky at some point. You gotta grind for it. No, you gotta grind and get lucky. Anyway, uh, let's let's keep let's keep watching the trailer of this show. Johnson with the pick. Again, this this guy has his own show, and he he, got, he just got traded for a conditional 2024 seventh round pick. All the power of the world to you, Lottie Johnson. But preseason interception. Can we work? Can we work? All right, say less. We gonna work this. We gonna work. Race everybody. He can't. We're gonna work. We're going to work. Okay. Again, this is, so it's Texans Cowboys. This is a preseason game highlight. Touchdown, Texas. No, I, I've always wondered about that workout. I've never actually done it myself. The one where you, you got your back leaned against a bench. You got your feet in front of you and you're essentially like pelvic thrusting up into the air. It looks like a sexual gesture, a sexual act. Being okay. at the highest peak. And then being turned down so much by colleges and like that turned me into a different animal. Turned him into a, a different animal. Well, I, I respect his confidence. Murphy been through that, that shit like Ghostland. My brother D thing just got killed and I've been slow since. Bro, we got back on this his song. Did he make this rap? Oh yeah. He does look cool there. I mean that that's a pretty that's a pretty sick highlight. Like you got the you got the top camera down version of him getting an interception and, and then he's like pointing up field. Like this. This is badass. Hell yeah. I want to have a moment like that in the NFL. Just like a moment where I have the ball and I'm and I'm pointing somewhere as if people are turning around and tell and trying to follow my direction. I can follow that plan to change. Oh, okay. Life forever, like I said, I would. Okay, so that's the life of Lotto coming soon. Do we, do we want? Do we want to watch more? We done? I think we're done. Uh, Lonnie Johnson, best of luck at Kansas City, dude. Okay, last thing I wanted to get to before uh, we hit the road. So uh, I watched all of Ozark season uh, four, part two yesterday, which ultimately saw the series come to an end. I'm not going to release any spoilers here. Okay, I felt. And just to sum up the, the last part of the season and the last part of the show, as usual, when they hit somebody in this show, it is boom. Like they, they go from zero to 100 really quickly. And, and it makes me remember Game of Thrones a bit in that people, when they die in this show, it is sudden. You don't see it coming. And it's just so final and jarring. And I love that part about Ozark more than anything else on the show. But... I'll just say that I wish more had happened down the stretch. The ending was good. 
And it ends in a way that, honestly, I'm a bit surprised by, but it was, it was a decent way to wrap things up with a bow. But I want to just focus on both Wendy and Marty Bird. We can all agree that Wendy Bird, who, who is the actress that plays Wendy Bird? She does a fucking awesome job at being this character. And I always want to give the actress credit when they are somebody who is as just despicable. Like, everyone hates her. And they hate her because she's a character that is just completely soulless, as described by Ruth down the stretch. Um, she's played by Laura Linney. Uh, Laura Linney, for those who don't know, she was in The Truman Show. Wendy's just a terrible bitch of a person. Just awful. Awful, awful, awful. Has no redeeming qualities. I threw out a Twitter question yesterday, and I said, hey, does Wendy Bird have even a single redeeming quality? Can you think of something, just one thing that that you look at and you're like, wow. I mean, she does have that going for her, even though she's a giant bitch. And again, we're talking about a fictional character here. So I can say that if it's a real person, I would be canceled for that. But some of the responses I got, does Wendy Bird have a single redeeming quality? Jackson Bevins has a good response. Absolutely no character since Walter White has had such a single-minded focus. Whether you agree with the end goal or not, the force of will is admirable. Uh, Michael Barton says good and bet. Uh, based off of uh, Marty watching the sex tape that she had with old balls who gets thrown off the fucking uh, roof of a building in the first episode. I don't know about that one. Uh, Eric Pete had a funny one. Pro business. Yeah, she is pro business. She's all about, you know, economic freedom. Definitely would not have been a fan of COVID, uh, COVID shutdowns. That's for sure. Dave Grosby says ruthlessness. The Gros. But uh, she always cooks a very nice meal for dinner. Actually, towards the end, no. She threw, she threw out some of the food because the daughter, Charlotte, didn't want to eat. She's terrible. I, I think legitimately one of, the, one of the most despicable characters in television history, which means she was very well written and very well acted. But why don't we ever talk about Marty Bird? Marty Bird is maybe the biggest pussy in television history. And look, clearly he's smart. Clearly, he's brilliant, but my God, the guy is so, he is just constantly groveling at the pedestal of Wendy, who again, is just fucking awful, and Marty is constantly fighting for her the entirety of this series, even when she is being just terrible, and again, like, Let's just try to think of a redeeming quality for Marty that Wendy has. What is it? She's fucking somebody else. Not that attractive. Although I suppose everything's relative when you get into your late 40s, early 50s, you know? I'm not saying she's ugly, but I'm, eh. I mean, I'm not putting up with that bullshit. With Darlene in Ozark? Absolutely. I would put up with all of her bullshit. I would let her ruin my life. But Marty just gets walked over by her over and over and over again, all the way to the end. And you know, when you look at Wendy, yes, the easy one to say, just an absolute giant thunder you-know-what, to quote Blade 3. But what, what, what is it? What is it that Marty brings? What is it that Marty is? 
you have no backbone and you never act on things unless it's somebody who's road ra- who, who's, who's driven you to the point of road rage. Always adapting, always evolving, never with the actual balls to do something for him. And you know, at a certain point in life, you can't just constantly be adapting to shit and doing the safe thing or the rational thing. And that was a part of Marty's character, which which drove me crazy. Like, he did not have any character development over the entirety of that show. It was just constant loyalty to Wendy. Wendy f- found herself and figured out how to be a fucking, uh, essentially, uh, cartel-adjacent runner of a hedge fund. Ruthless. The whole way through. But Marty, like, never does a damn thing on his own, and he's just constantly whipped, essentially, by Wendy. And And I just... You know, now that I look back at the series, I think Marty's worse than Wendy. Always showing this fake empathy that maybe he actually felt, but, and and you saw moments where he was human and where he tears up and where he cries and stuff like this. But it's, it's like it's all for show. Is any of it authentic? Is any of it real? Is any of it true? I don't think so. Anyway, the show's good. I, I cruised through it in a day. I, I, I wish that the last season had been a little bit more action-heavy towards the end. Uh, Ruth Langsmore, hell yeah. No spoilers, but Ra- Langmore, I said that wrong. Ruth Langmore, fantastic actress. Uh, it's funny that she plays that Anna Delvey in that, other, in that other TV show. But she was great. And by far the best character on that show. Anyway, uh, that's going to wrap up. To, uh, the soundtrack is more than all right, Instant Karma 206. The soundtrack in Ozark was fucking awesome. It really was good. Anyway, that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Gallant Says podcast live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Gallant Says. Some Astros and Mariners baseball to get to tonight. Uh, if you haven't already, please follow the show, twitch.tv slash Gallant Says. But maybe you're an Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher kind of person. Subscribe, rate, review, roast, whatever. We appreciate all the support. I say we by talking about me, myself, and I. And my cat who has fleas in this shithole apartment that I live in. Hopefully I'm getting the fuck out of this one very soon. Anyway, this has been the Gallant Says podcast. So long, farewell. Have yourselves a wonderful Monday. We'll be back at it tomorrow afternoon. Peace.